Street. Maidenhead, Bracknell, Wokingham, Henley, Reading. Okay! Ta da! The voice River Radio. of the Thames Valley. Hello and welcome to this show, Let's Do Lunch. This is a food and nutrition podcast with me, Jenny Tishi. I am a registered nutritionist and author of several cookery books. And I invite a series of guests onto this show who are related to the food industry in some way, shape or form. It could be as tenuous as being an athlete. I've even had GB athletes on this show. But someone I have, to someone I have today, I have someone who is very much related to the topic. We are talking about some fantastic botanical non-alcoholic drinks today and the founder of a new company uh, called Reform. I say new actually, Daniel, you're going to bring us up to speed on this, but Reformed Characters, the name of which I absolutely love. Uh, it seems to suggest parts of my life at times, uh, not so much at other times. Um, but the, Daniel is the founder of Reformed Characters. As I say, this is a company making botanical non-alcoholic drinks for healthy hedonists looking for a break from booze. How are you today, Daniel? I'm good, thank you, Jenny. I've had a productive day and managed to go to the gym, so I'm Woo-hoo! good. How about yourself? We are winning. Yeah, well, other than the weather, uh, <laughs> this is a pre-record <laughs> for those of you that may be looking out the window on a Friday and thinking, oh, what a beautiful sunny day. What is she talking about? Well, I've been very, very wet all day today and my trousers seem to have been permanently wet. Um, so um, tell me a little bit about Reformed Characters. How did it come about and when did it come about? So Reformed Characters, I began, I suppose I kind of began the journey in 2018. I was, my background is in um, food marketing. So I was working in design agencies around London and we were just kind of, you know, just, I just felt like I was drinking constantly, drank all Christmas, you know, agency drinks on Thursday, drinks on Friday, drinks on Saturday, drinks then on Wednesday after feeling horrendous all week. And it just got to a point, I remember thinking, I'm going to do dry January. And I'd always been kind of so opposed to it. So I did dry January, much to everyone's horror. And <laughs> How after, <can> I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then after kind of 30 days of not drinking, I just found it was absolutely amazing. I was sleeping better. I was managing to go to the gym again. I was managing my work better. My stress had reduced. Kind of this low-grade depression I'd always had just when. Did you have so any I cravings did, during that month? Yeah, I mean, it was really hard. But mm. I did another two months. And so I did three months completely alcohol-free. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a game-changer for, like, me becoming an adult, if you know what I mean, and managing my life better. And I just didn't understand why no other brands in the space were talking about it. We obviously had brands like Seedlip and a few other non-alcs were coming up, but they kind of sat on shelf to look like alcohol, be served like alcohol. And there was no other conversations taking place about, you know, so many people were becoming sober curious, but why? Getting mm. drunk is fun. So why are so many of us choosing not to do it? Yeah. Do you know, so you, kind you, of in the process, go on, I was just going to say, I love that term sober curious. I think that's absolutely spot on, isn't it? Exactly. Like what if, what if my life didn't have alcohol as a crutch or as a daily occurrence, which it sounded like it was for you. So, so go on. You felt much better after three months. 
So I just kind of been, you know, everyone was saying to me, oh, come out, let's come out, come to the bombs, burn to do this, do that. And I was just like, no, I'm a reformed character now. And it kind of just <laughs> stuck in my head. And I remember thinking like, that is such a good name for a brand. It's so I, brilliant. I remember going to bed. Yeah, I remember going to bed one night. I checked the dot com. I was like, it was available to register, completely trademarkable, no ownability over it. Do you know what I mean? So I was just like, that is amazing. So I registered it. And I think it just sowed the seed from there. Gosh, so that was 2018. So how long did it take you to get to the stage where you actually had a product? I mean, realistically, 15 months of full-on work. Mm-hmm. What did that involve? So working with different product developers, kind of building the proposition of the brand, the formula, I mean, market research, what people are looking for, what people are perceptive to in terms of brand and brand name. If you know what I mean, you know, are people comfortable with a name like Reformed Characters today? Or is it, do you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's been an arduous process. Yeah, I can imagine. I'd love to understand a little bit about kind of the market research that you did. So you've mentioned other brands on the market that really sort of purported to be a non-alcoholic version of an alcoholic drink, whereas yours is different, isn't it? So I think the main thing when I was kind of doing the research piece was, and um, you know, because I'd kind of stopped the drinking myself, I knew exactly what it was realistically. You know, people didn't want mocktails have been around for absolutely ages and had horrendous reputations as being absolutely full of sugar, full of rubbish. You know, there was no kind of interest in brands. People, when they were taking a, a break from booze, they wanted something which feels sophisticated, feels grown up and feels healthy. You know, if you're committing to taking 30 days off alcohol at the same time, you know, it's like people decide they're going to stop drinking, decide they're going to be in the gym every day. They're going to do yoga. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a whole startup package to wellness and so people want a product which complements that. Yeah. So it's not just about abstinence. It's about putting something in that is adding some value. So did you, I mean, did you have something in mind? I'm fascinated by this process. Did you have something in mind that you wanted to go after or did you kind of go out there and see what was kind of already out there that you could better? I mean, a part of us, a huge part of that's been obviously kind of benchmarking what's already in the category, but I think the whole thing for me, the journey has been in developing the product is understanding as well. You know, when I first started this, I wanted to do kind of functional drinks. So in my head, I was like, well, have one drink, which relaxes you, one drink, which makes you fall asleep and one drink, which energizes you. But then when you actually look at the reality of producing drinks like that and the cost, the cost of retailing, the VAT on soft drinks, it's very different if, you know what I mean, to achieve something like that. It's big in the US at the moment, but in the UK, it's you know, legal messaging around functionality and stuff. So the, the drink did change a lot. Yeah, you have to be careful with things like claims, don't you? If you say this drink's going to relax you or this drink's going to help you fall asleep, you have to have a lot of proof. And I know that's slightly different in the US market from the UK, isn't it? Yeah, it's very different. And, you know, I just kind of felt like it's very it's very difficult. You know, if, if you're selling a drink to a consumer saying this is going to help you relax, this is going to help you sleep, you don't know what their lifestyle is. You don't know if what time they finished having caffeine in the day. It's a very risky territory within these functional kind of product benefits at the moment. It's know, interesting, but yeah. it's, um, it's, it's difficult. It's a really interesting point, actually, about how individual we all are um, when it comes to, you know, consuming anything. But, you know, the effect it might have on your body, you can be really, really sensitive to caffeine, for example, and not necessarily know it. So to, yeah, to say that this drink's going to bring this effect on your body is well difficult isn't it to pinpoint i'm absolutely loving the names and the packaging of your product i think it's really Thank cool you. <laughs> did you are you obviously created that yourself with all of your background yeah so i'm a brand designer by trade so i've um, i specialize in kind of food and drink designs so a brand and packaging strategy i've worked with pepsico perna ricard diageo the alcohol big kind of alcohol groups and then a lot of kind of startups and challenger brands within food and drink 
Yeah, it's absolutely. I love. I just love the kind of. Uh, it feels like you really are targeting, you know, the right kind of market with that look and feel and therefore messaging. But do tell us about the different drinks that you've got in the range. Um, you've got three, have you, at the moment? Yes, yeah, so we have three drinks: all botanical, low calorie, low sugar, um, natural, vegan. So the first drink is the herbaceous character, which is essentially a take on a gin and tonic. This is juniper, hops, and rosemary with a hint of lime. Mm. And then we have the dark and decadent character, which is essentially a take on a kind of dark, darker spirit and mixer, like a dark and stormy or a whiskey and mixer. So this is ginger, cardamom, and sweet orange. Yeah. And then we have the bittersweet character, which is essentially a kind of take on a, a vibrant aperitif, and that is pink grapefruit and aromatic herbs. Oh, they're really different, aren't they? But they're almost like different characters <laughs> in their own right. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> what like... I kind of wanted to do, if you know what I mean. And something yeah. that feels, you know, something that doesn't feel like a mocktail, it doesn't feel, because, uh, do you know what I mean? That's already been done, that whole kind of category of mocktails and stuff. We had mm. mocktails 10 years ago and people weren't buying them for a reason. Yeah. And like you say, the market was sort of almost overloaded with different versions of the same sort of thing. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm intrigued to know, I mean, obviously you, you've, ended where not ended but where you are right now is with a product which is a low calorie low sugar um no artificial anything uh, no alcohol of course drink but did you enjoy drinks as a child like fizzy drinks or were you quite a purist as a child so i think my mother was always quite um strict with anything like fizzy drinks she'd kind of buy like one two liter bottle and you know that just had to last or it was gone if you know what i mean she wouldn't buy another one she was always very strict with fizzy drinks um, and then I think like, as I was kind of growing up, you know, my own diet, I've, I've ended up like quite pedantic myself over kind of what I eat. And especially since I've stopped drinking, I'm really kind of pedantic with it, I'd say. So you mentioned that you stopped drinking for three months. Did you then start again, but now you're in a better kind of uh, more balanced pattern? So I just, honestly, I just don't drink anymore. I just absolutely hate it. Wow, brilliant. And so you find that you get great benefits, better sleep. Just Better everything, energy. honestly. I might drink once every couple of months and I wake up hungover and I'm just, you know, it is enough, that hangover is enough to last me for the next six months and never drink again. Wow. And I know it should be about moderation, you know, I know it shouldn't be about waking up with a hangover, but, you know, when we have a drink, it never just stops at one, does it realistically? <laughs> I love that Unless too. you have that restraint. I'm going to teach myself a lesson, then I'm going to become a reformed <laughs> character again for six months. You see, you fit the brand, don't you? Oh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and going back to your uh, childhood, I mean, obviously, you ended up in a, a very a focused area, creative area of um branding, packaging, etc. Were there any particular food brands that you connected with as a child that maybe inspired you? I don't think so when I was a child, because I think when I was younger, it was so kind of dominated by the big blue chip brands, if you know what I mean. I feel like back then there was very kind of little creativity or any, you know, the real brands, which felt like you could resonate with as a young person or a consumer. Um, I think it was more as I kind of grew up, if you know what I mean, and I, I started to discover the kind of food industry and packaging and stuff. I just absolutely loved it, and I still do. And what, so what about modern-day brands? Are there brands that you look at today and you just think, well, they've really got it, they've nailed the brief, they've got the right packaging, they've got the right look, they're targeting their audience in the right way? Which brands do you respect today? So I think any of the kind of startups and challenges that can kind of get into the major multiples and stay there, you know, obviously brands like Innocent and everyone have done such a good job, but um, you see so many startups and challenges and kind of unsung heroes. That, mm. And now I'm in it myself, you know, I understand how difficult that is to be getting into those, you know, Tesco, Sainsbury's, Ocados, Waitrose of the world. It is a long slog. 
Yeah, we'll come on to that because I'd love to know where people can actually um, buy the drinks. Um, but I was going to ask you a question. We have a lot of foodies on this podcast. I was wondering whether you think of yourself as a drinky, inverted commas, a, a drinks expert, having got to where you've got to with your three flavour profiles. So I think now I really understand it. You know, when I when I kind of came up with the idea and stuff, I'd always wanted to come up with a brand in food. And then when I started not drinking and I came up with this idea for a brand, I was like, oh, no, I don't want to do something in drinks. I want to do something in food. But I feel so much more comfortable with it now. It is such a kind of learning process. Do you think there's a lot that you've learned from your background in uh, food and packaging and branding that you could bring into this role? A hundred percent. I feel genuinely, you know, so lucky. I've got a good network of people and friends within food and drink. And I feel like, you know, if you haven't got that kind of a basic ground in FMCG, fast moving consumable goods, it must be very daunting, if you know what I mean, to come up with a food product and take it from a kitchen table to mass manufacture. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just interested. How did you get into your role in the first place? The original, you know, how did you get into this world of food packaging? So I remember... My first kind of role was when I was living in Cardiff and we were doing a lot of kind of, it was stuff like potatoes. So it was like potato packaging, like broccoli labels. I just seemed to, I loved the, within design, I like the kind of packaging for food because, you know, it's something that we all, we all eat, we all kind of talk about. It's very cultural, if you know what I mean. Yes. Um, so I was kind of hooked. You, lo- you love food and you love the design element and the two worlds just came together. And that found you, or yeah, you found yeah. it, yeah, brilliant. And it sounds like you've had, in quite a short period of time, you've had a huge amount of experience. Um, so uh, I've talked a little bit about your um, market research, but you've obviously got to these flavour profiles now. Are you looking to expand into new flavour profiles? A hundred percent. I think my kind of vision for this as a brand, reformed characters, is you know, I want to be able to offer a reformed character for everything. So, you know, you could tell me like a dry white wine and I can say, oh, we've got a reformed character for that. So this is a dry white wine, but it's a naught percent, or this is a vodka, but it's a naught percent. That's where I'd like to see this going, if you know what I mean. And not just that, I think there's huge opportunity as well within kind of sober experiences to sober date and sober festivals. Mm. I want to kind of really have fun with this, if you know what I mean. And for me, it's about genuinely adding value value to people's lives, you know, when they're at that point of deciding they don't want to drink or whether that's taking, taking a break from booth or a drink a weekend, a month or more, if you know what I mean. I want to be a brand that kind of sits in people's minds for that moment. Yeah, the go-to, the go-to brand yeah. when you're considering that. And I mean, with, with your peers, I mean, at the point at which you decided to, you know, in your immediate network, the people that you do socialise with, um, how have they been on the uptake of uh, the concept of alcohol-free living? Do you know what, Jenny? I was just never the kind of person that would have ever stopped drinking. Like, I really loved, and I still really love, really love, like, good wine, good food. So I was never the kind of person that would stop drinking. But it's honestly just brought me so many benefits. I just, I preach about it to everyone. I can't help it. And I, I know you're not supposed to, are you? are just supposed to be very humble and just sit there and be quiet and sober about it. But I can't help it. <laughs> but do you know what? I love that. You're, like, living the brand, basically. Because yeah, you're exactly. Saying... Thank, thank God. Yeah. but it, so, so in terms of your target market I mean are you it uh you know in my head I'm also thinking of so many other people including I know during lockdown for example there were some crazy crazy rates of increased drinking increased purchase of supermarket obviously because that's the only place people could get it but but booze and we had as a result a bit of a well mental health crisis addiction crisis do you see that those people as a potential market as well I think for sure, you know, but I, I think the whole market of people that people are buying non-alcoholic drinks, you know, it's not that whole market of 
people that are not drinking ever again. The market is big for, you know, people that want to take two, three nights off a week or mm. a, a weekend of not drinking. But I do think within mental health and stuff, you know, I, I've got so many friends and stuff that end up seeking therapy and stuff. And one of the first things I always say to them is, you know, have you ever tried like just taking a month off alcohol, you know, getting drunk every single weekend, drinking all through the week because you're so stressed with work. Is that helping you at all? Do you know what I mean? It's for me, it's, for me, it's very obvious now, if you know what I mean, how that affects people. Yeah, look at me. <laughs> it does, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, I know you're a bit younger than me, but I mean, you can see you're sparkly-eyed, you're energetic. It is, uh, we are recording this pre-record in the evening. Uh, you know, you're a great brand, a great brand ambassador for your own brand. I think that really helps Thank people. Thank you. <laughs> and you know, if you'd have seen me five years ago when I was working in an agency, I wouldn't have been bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because I'd have been out the night before for dinner, in quotation mm. marks, and I'd have had with a friend, you know, two, three bottles of wine. Do you know what I mean? It just, it was just constantly catching up to me every single day, just feeling tired. And then all of a sudden it's weekend or Thursday night, so you're drinking again. And people just accept that as the norm, don't they? I think you mentioned the industry that you're in and the expectation almost within that industry. And certainly it's something that never seems to have changed over the course of the time I've known people that work in that industry. So actually bucking the trend was quite a brave thing to do. Was the pandemic anything to do with that? You talked about when you did have your hiatus, your your dry January, and then it turned into three months and then more. When did you actually do that? Was that prior to the pandemic? Yeah, so it was definitely prior to the pandemic. I do remember I went, so I'd kind of put the business on pause because I'd spoke to some advisors and stuff and they were like, you know, you're going to need 300K to get this brand going. And I was just like, this is so much money. Mm. I'm doing well in design. This is all too much, if you know what I mean. So I'd put a brand on pause and then I kind of went out, you know, at the end of lockdown when everyone went out in London and there was a pitch in the paper. So I went out that night and I got really drunk. I woke up in the morning and I felt so horrendous. I was like, this is not my life anymore. I was like, I'm doing that brand. And for me, that was like just a kick up the ass I needed, if you know what I mean. The tipping point was post-pandemic. It, honestly, it was such a tipping point. I had like a three-day hangover and I was like, never again am I doing this. This is not. Do you know what I mean? I've got I've got my vision and I need to stick to it. Yeah, this is what I'm going to stick to. Well, look, we're going to take a brief pause. Um, but talking about the pandemic, I'd love to find out how it did affect your business. So we'll talk a little bit more about the timeline and what the pandemic meant for you in just a moment. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Ooh. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch, with me, Jenny Tishi. I'm a registered nutritionist and an absolute foodie. And today we have on the show Daniel Hind, who is the founder of Reformed Characters. Now, this is a company that makes botanical, non-alcoholic drinks, and they're healthy, which we love. Uh, They're a great alternative um, if you are looking to either remove booze from your life for a short period of time or if you want to permanently remove the booze. Uh, We've been talking about the different flavour profiles, but Daniel, I'd love to find out what happened to your business during the pandemic. So kind of developing the business over the pandemic, I was kind of courses if you know what I mean I thought with everything going on you know in my own business in design it was getting near impossible getting clients to pay invoices and stuff so I thought this is probably a horrendous time to be starting a business but at the same time and a lot of other people I spoke to it was quite good in a way because of lockdown we were all just spending so much time inside so I had so much free time to just get my head down and work on this mm-hmm. I'd say the challenges were you know kind of working with suppliers it was such a slow process you know, in factories and stuff, people were only allowed had to have social distancing. The liquid development, trying to meet anyone, was a nightmare. Yeah, I can imagine. So, were you selling, and are you selling direct to consumer and to businesses as well? So, I literally have just launched. So, I've just launched kind of softly on the website, launching on Amazon, and I'm just starting to speak to retailers, wholesalers, etc. Now, God, it's exciting times, isn't it? 
It is exciting times. <laughs> I bet you've learned a huge amount, not only about yourself, but the business side of things, running it from your own perspective rather than working for other organisations. What would you say the biggest learnings have been for you? I think for me, you know, because I've, I've been working in design now for 14, 15 years and I got to a point, I'd started my own business in design and stuff. And I remember just saying, you know, I feel completely unchallenged. I can kind of go into, and this is a part of the drinking as well, you know, you can just coast into work on a hangover, work for yourself. And I just felt like I felt completely unchallenged and unsatiated, if you know what I mean, with mm. my work. And I wanted to do something which I felt challenged in. And this has honestly been the most challenging thing I have ever done. Like every single day I'm having to learn new things. People speak to me about things I've got no idea about, but I really love it. So when they when that happens, what do you do? How do you find out what you need to do? You just get stuck in. <laughs> I think you just have to be humble, do you know what I mean? If you don't understand something, just say, ask the questions and don't kind of be shy about it, which I'm not at all. If anything, I'd probably ask too many questions. <laughs> do you know, that's not <laughs> a bad thing. I also think you can't necessarily grow unless you put yourself slightly outside your comfort zone. It's just how far you're willing to go. How far outside your comfort zone has running your own business taken you? Oh, completely outside of it. You know, I did not have the money personally to start this. This has been kind of virgin startup loan debt blood sweat and tears so the entire thing has been out of my comfort zone but it does get to a point you know and it materializes like when I got the first packaging runs back when I got the first cans back and it's just kind of sat around my house and I'm like this is some do you know what I mean this has materialized this is a thing now this is the vision I had and now I actually have it in my hand and exactly. what about your support network do you have people around you that can help support you it sounds like it's a pretty tough thing I mean I've interviewed a lot of foodies people that started their own food businesses but you do tend to need a bit of support around you yeah, 100%. I, and I've been lucky, if you know what I mean, that I have got a lot of friends within food and my network and stuff. And I can kind of just message them and be like, oh, my God, you know, this has just happened. I need to do this. And in those moments, you know, it's just such a relief because people are like, this is just normal. Get used to it. Get over it. And that is what you need in that moment, if you know what I mean. Go and get the T-shirt because we've all been there and we've all done it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's brilliant to find people and perhaps people that are more advanced in their journey than you and people that are perhaps at the same level as you just to be able to kind of monitor and, and see where you may hopefully avoid some of the pitfalls that others have experienced. Um, one of the questions I always ask the food-based companies that come on this podcast is about what they're doing to make their product more environmentally friendly I mean from the outset I guess that's something you've always considered so what sort of green credentials as such does the product have so obviously I want to kind of eliminate all plastic I do not want this to be a kind of negative product in any way if you know what I mean for me this is all about making a positive difference to people's lives and that includes everything and every kind of aspect of the supply chain mm -hmm. I want to move as fast as I can to being a B Corp I think that's kind of you know the uh, business for good credentials I think it's a long process but I think it's such a good way of measuring realistically how much of a footprint your brand is having on mm -hmm. the planet people yeah and everything else so that is the vision if you know what I mean yeah, absolutely. So you've got three drinks at the moment. Um, whereabouts can people get hold of them? Where can they buy them? So you can buy them on the website, which is www.reformedcharacters.com. We are launching on Amazon within the next week. You can also buy it in some kind of small food shops at the moment. I'm just signing some deals with those. Um, Amazon and also on Fair Wholesale as well, which is an amazing platform if anyone hasn't heard of it. I hadn't heard of that. What do they do? I mean, it sounds obvious, but who can access that? So it's businesses only, so it's businesses, you know, if, uh, bars, restaurants, um, independent shops, but they're based all over the world. So basically their fair are covering um, shipping. So I've been shipping a lot of drinks to the US, which has been amazing. Interesting. I was going to ask you about that. So where would you say the biggest market is going to be for you? Not just countrywide, but uh, countrywise rather, but which um, areas have proven to be the most interested in what you do? 
I mean, I think London, obviously, we've got such a kind of developed food scene. And I wouldn't say, you know, the whole sober curious movement and mindful drinking movement is confined to anywhere. You know, there's a big kind of covering across all of the UK. But the US in general is kind of so much further along with food taste, drinks taste, but also within low and no alcohol. And that demand for sober curious lifestyles and drinks is so much more advanced in the US. I didn't realise that. I didn't realise that it had actually moved at a greater pace. I know a lot of things do in America, but I didn't think that necessarily the low alcohol uh, area had. Is that something you were aware of and you had on your radar when you were thinking about your own product, something that would be um, exportable to the US market? So I had kind of trademarked the brand in the US just because trademarking the US can take up to a year, if not longer. So I knew that was a long process, but I had no idea how big the market was in the US for um, low and no alcohol drinks. I mean, I've sent more orders. I've sent more orders of air than I have in the UK at the moment. So it has been really big. Wow! So that's quite quite a sort of added bonus, isn't it? Like you set out for the yeah, UK market. So actually, there's a huge demand in the US. Do you think there'll be any other international markets that will be of interest to you? Are there other places that are showing an interest in low alcohol, yeah, alternatives? So I think as well the Middle East, obviously. Um, Mainly all the drinks over there, as much as you do have alcohol in certain places, which shouldn't be there, but is there. Um, because the drink's 0% is an ideal drink for exporting to the, US, uh, for, to the Middle East. Do you know, you're, you're raising a very pertinent point there. There's a, a book festival which I've attended and spoken at a few times in uh, one of the Emirates called Sharjah. Um, and yeah. it's a completely dry Emirates. So uh, I remember going there and the only thing that you could get other than water, you know, and your standard kind of soft drinks um, was what looked like a bottle of champagne. Everyone got very excited that they had a bottle of champagne in their room. But of course it wasn't. It was just sparkly date juice. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> wouldn't this be a much nicer thing to find in your hotel minibar than some sparkling date juice that probably most, well, most of us were British, didn't necessarily ex- access very easily, weren't too keen on. Um, so the US market. And what about age groups? What have you found in terms of people interested? So I thought, and a lot of other people kind of involved in this brand thought that, you know, it'd be the kind of Gen Z, Gen, you know, the younger generation. I can, yeah. I'm not clued up with these Gen names at all. Just, <laughs> just put a number or a letter or something at the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But young, the younger generation, um, everyone kind of thought it'd be that. But it's not at all, you know, it's people in the 40s, 50s have drank all their lives and then decide they don't want to do it anymore and they want to change the, the, that lifestyle decision. Yeah, do you know what? I, I mean, I'm in the, the 40s, nearing 50 category. And, you know, the thought of having on a weekday something that I know is going to actually help me and isn't a gin and tonic, but make me feel like I'm having a gin and tonic is great. Exactly. You know, I'm a nutritionist, so I always want to put things in that I think are going to add value. Um, can I ask you about that? In terms of the actual drink, obviously, they're low in calories. I mean, they taste sweet. I haven't tried one. I wish I had. I should have done, shouldn't I? That's very bad. I know, do my I, research. Know, I know. It's very bad on my behalf. I should have sent before i will send you some this week um so sorry what you're asking in terms uh, so of how, how is it sweetened so it's sweetened with a slight bit of sugar there's a little bit of sugar in that i might develop that over time to include more of a natural sugar maybe a beet sugar or something as opposed to a sweetener um but the base of the drinks which uses like a, a glycerol which mm-hmm. naturally has a sweetness to it anyway yeah but are all kind of I, I was very specific if you know what i mean i did not want i mean some of these drinks within non-alcoholic at the moment they've got like 12 13 grams of sugar in it and it's just like whoa that is so much yeah in one serve if you know what i mean yeah so what's this by comparison uh grams of sugar per serve there we so, go we're getting per, live updates here <laughs> so per 100 milliliters this one is 1.1 grams 
That's the incredible. dark and decadent one. That's incredible. And I mean, I didn't even, do you know what I mean? I didn't even want to have that amount of sugar in there. I think over time, you know, I will develop this and see how we can kind of strip it back. Because for me, the essence of these drinks is the botanical of it. You want to taste like you don't want to be tasting. It's difficult though, because consumers, as much as they say, you know, they don't want sugar and stuff, you give it to them like, oh, it'd be, we, you know, they do, it depends on palate and what, how, what people are eating. But people are attuned to a lot of sugar. It's changing, obviously, but especially with HFSS and all of that. Yeah. Do you know, I'm always surprised by that. Again, you know, I live in a world where I probably eat less sugar than the average person, but even I probably have a little bit too much. But I'm often shocked at how sweet people will have things or how they can't taste that something's sweet. So, you know, when you, change or attune your palate to a lower level of sugar it, it it does make a huge difference doesn't it yeah and I think you know it's difficult as well because I'm you know I'm in the gym every day I'm so focused on health fitness wellness and everything and every day I get a meal deal end up getting a meal deal which I hate getting a meal deal but I always get like you know the protein shake that comes with it from Tesco yeah and I saw recently you know I looked at the back of it and I was like oh my god there's something like 29 grams of sugar in this and I was like this to me is a drink, you know, that I'm thinking is healthy and there's 29 grams of sugar in it. So it's... Yeah, do you know what? You're absolutely spot on. Um, <laughs> I was introduced to an app the other day, which gives um, everything a score based on how um, healthy it is for you. Um, I'll sh- I can share that with you. It'd be good to know whether your, your products are on there. You just scan the barcode and it gives it a rating. Okay. Yeah, so it's actually really easy and accessible. You know, the criteria that they use for whether something's healthy or not mm, could be a bit debatable, but easy because so many people don't have time. Or like you just said, even though you are healthy, and in the gym and interested you only recently looked at the back of the protein shake so actually just knowing that if you were to scan this and it it came up low sugar and it came up as a positive you know healthy drink then you would choose that wouldn't you it'd be a much easier choice to make for me you know i think the people that are buying those for me that protein shake you know i'm buying it because it's got 20 grams of protein in it i do not want to be buying it with an additional god knows how many grams of sugar it's it's a little bit crazy to me yeah were there any other surprises when you were actually creating the formula for the drink in terms of things that your competitors were putting in that you didn't want to put in i know for example you've said that there's no additives in your drinks um or nothing artificial in there so what did you find in others that was i mean you know again from my perspective i'm always wanting the purest and even when you say sugar i'm like well sugar sugar you know sugar at least is natural but what else did you find in some of your competitive products that you thought oh, oh not so for a lot us. of yeah, so I mean, it all comes down to price point as well. You know, the more natural you develop a product, the less sugar in there, the more natural the ingredients, the more expensive it is to produce, if you know what I mean. So yeah. it's, it's very difficult. I find a lot of the drinks within cans and stuff, you know, a lot of them have got things like potassium sorbate in that, which is just something, you know, I've kind of been like, I do not want that in a drink. It makes sense in some drinks, you know, if there's a drink which is opened and needs to have a long life, so a spirit or something, it makes sense there. But for cans and stuff, potassium sorbate is mainly used just so it's easy to produce because then the shelf life goes straight away to 24 months. It doesn't have to be pasteurized and stuff, but everyone I know that works within food, you know, food consultants, food advisors, you know, everyone says like, oh, sorry, I'm trying to limit my potassium sorbate. And I, do you know what I mean? I've got a monitor going on here. I've had too much yeah, today. Exactly. <laughs> too much potassium sorbate for me. And then I Googled it because I was like, what is potassium sorbate? And you Google it and it comes up straight away linked to cancers and stuff. So I'm like, is this another one of those ingredients which consumers will end up cutting onto and being like, oh. And I do know, you know, I walk around places like Little Aldi and look on the back of labels, own label and stuff. And all of those kind of brands are absolutely laced with potassium sorbate because it's easier to produce and you get those shelf life straight away. So mm. it's it, very it, interesting. It is interesting. And I think, 
you know, as consumers become more savvy, it does become more difficult for people like yourself who are trying to connect with those that are probably at the edge of savviness. You know, they're the most interested in what's in things. So like, how do you keep your finger on the pulse with regards to where the thought is, you know, whether ingredients are in or whether they're out? How do you keep your finger on that pulse? I think it's just kind of keeping that dialogue open constantly and just kind of getting as many people to try, getting as much feedback as you can and really looking, if you know what I mean, at how consumers read things, how do they react to things. I was in Whole Foods the other day and I was just kind of just watching people, if you know what I mean, by the drink aisle. Oh, you're that person. <laughs> I am. I have become that weird person stalking around Whole Foods. watching people. <laughs> And this girl kind of looked at this brand and she was like, an energy drink brand. And she's like, natural energy. And she just picked up like six of them all in one go and put them in a basket. And I was like, whoa, I'm like a designer, you know, and we put things on there like natural energy. And you think, you know, it's a nice claim, but, you know, to see it in real life, someone kind of screaming that out and then just immediately buying six, looking at nothing else, just that two words, natural energy, and just putting all of it in a basket. I was like, whoa. It kind of speaks volumes, if you know what I mean. Do you know what? Actually, you couldn't get much raw, more, more real in terms of your market research than standing in the aisles of shops watching how people react and respond to things, can you? Have you been able to do any of that with your own product to get direct feedback from people? So no, I haven't done enough of that. But there is a, a, a friend I know in food, she's called Tessa Stewart, and she does a lot of that. So she'll kind of stand in an aisle within Tesco, Sainsbury's, whoever. She gets paid by the brands, obviously. And then she kind of has these conversations with consumers. And I think it is so invaluable. She's the only person I know within food that does that. Yeah, that's fascinating. I feel like I would want to do that job. I pretty much, because I live in a quite a small town, I've already had the issue where people say things like, don't look in my baskets, they go past me in the shop. So actually, I could probably <laughs> not get away with it because they'd be like, oh, there's Jenny watching me again. Um, so, so I'm really interested in... Um, like the channels to market. So you've gone uh, business to business, you've talked about, and uh, to consumer as well. Well, you've talked about which shops you're in, but in terms of what your um, kind of like social media channels are, can people follow you if they want to find out more about your product? Of course, we would love followers. Uh, we are at, at Reformed Characters. Okay, I'm just writing it down. So at Reform Characters, yeah, I love that. Okay, right. So let's find out a little bit more about uh, you. <laughs> if uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, we have a lot of um, foodies and drinkies. I'm now going to coin that phrase because uh, I hope <laughs> that's not anything that anybody else has got um, already. But um, if you were to have your last meal and drink on earth, what would it be? It would be a ramen. Yeah. And with the ramen, I would like a miso soup because I've got to have a miso soup with the ramen. Yeah. That was close. I nearly said a glass of wine, but I thought yeah, yeah. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> and one of your own drinks? And one of my own drinks, of course. Yeah, of course. Which is your favourite out of interest? I think the dark and decadent one, the ginger cardamom sweet orange. Okay. Would you have been, you know, back in the drinking world, would you have been a rum and coke type person? No, always wine. Ah, interesting. So actually, it's not just a replacement like for like. This is something that you would have because you actually enjoy the taste of it. Yeah, and I think the whole, like, I love wine. I would love it if someone could make a really, and obviously this is one of my ambitions too as a brand owner, but it's very difficult to kind of nail a wine. There's so many that are coming into the space. You know, there's some good ones coming up, but still to kind of get that profile of a wine and everything, you know, I think, is it something which will ever be achieved realistically? I think also going into the wine area, it's about the sugar again. I mean, there are some 
almost similar, almost similar um, products. Um, I have a brother that doesn't drink anything at all other than, you know, non-alcoholic drinks. And I have tasted some of his drinks. Some of them are so sweet. I just think, whoa. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's it's just great. Uh, carbonated grape juice with a lot of sugar a lot of them exactly and that's not wine as far as i'm concerned um who's your favorite chef my favorite chef i love nigella lawson do you why not I that know, I think, you know, she just <laughs> she just really kind of made food sexy the way we talk about food and everything there wasn't i you know she's the first person that comes to my mind when i think of that yeah would you say working in the, the food industry has helped you have a better relationship with food sounds like you're quite passionate about it 100 percent, i'd say you know i don't think my family are kind of typical foodies i'm very different in my kind of taste what i like to my family so yeah i think that has definitely kind of had an impact on me what what sort of uh, foods did you grow up with just typical kind of frozen meals meals out of the box and you're and super- now i'm just like Anything that comes out of the box, like get that away from me. Everything yeah. has to be fresh. Yeah, it sounds I'm like you've it for lost time. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like you, you've really changed from from what you grew up with. Um, is there yeah. anything anything from your childhood that you just think, yeah, I, I still really like that? Perhaps when you're not feeling so well, you're feeling a bit poorly. Is there anything comforting that you go to? Maybe like a crisp sandwich. I could do that. Yeah, now, <laughs> that's okay. It's been many years since I've had a crisp sandwich, but that sounds quite nice now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is an element of comfort, I think, with that. I mean, I don't think I um, tend to go for comfort foods as such, but there's certainly times when I just want like mum stew or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what would you, uh, where would you like to eat that you haven't eaten yet any particular restaurant? Now that we are getting back out and about and doing stuff again, where would you like to eat that you haven't eaten yet? So Circolo Popular is called. It's based in Fitzrovia. Yes, I know it because my daughter has eaten there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. My friend kept going on about it constantly. And I was like, oh, why does he keep going on about this restaurant? Um, and then I kind of peeked my head in and the inside of it just looks absolutely gorgeous. It is very. Place. It looks amazing. Very Instagrammable. That's the thing. I yeah. Think that's and it just looks like such a nice vibe. It's such a big space as well. So I booked that for next Tuesday. So I'm looking forward oh, to Oh, fantastic. Oh, well, there you go. You exactly. Uh, what nationality is your favorite um, nationality of food, type of food that you like to eat? Japanese is creeping up on me a lot. I really love Japanese food. Have you been to Japan? No. And I would absolutely love to. So one of my clients is a brand called Miso Tasty. And She's I know really Miso educated. Tasty, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, Bonnie is absolutely yes. lovely. And she's, I remember when I first met her, you know, I absolutely hated Japanese food. I hated miso. I remember saying it tasted like pond water. And now I absolutely love it. <laughs> That's so funny. So it just shows how your your, your uh, palate can change, doesn't it? Change for the better as well, thankfully. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you were to hold <laughs> a fantasy dinner party, which four people or characters, shall I say, would you invite and why? Okay, so Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Because she's just Britain's sweetheart. Yeah. Um, David Attenborough. Okay. He's amazing. Um, Tracy Emin. I'm still quite, I studied art and I just absolutely love art still. And I'm obsessed with Tracy Emin. I think she's mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. And Annie Grace. So Annie Grace is an author of a book called This Naked Man, This Naked Mind, not This Naked Man, This Naked Mind. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all about kind of alcohol um, and how it works on the brain. It's just like a kind of Bible and so curious. And it is amazing. I can really recommend that book. Oh, wow. I feel like when I started this journey, you know, I was kind of, I remember my first sober holiday, I was in Rome and I took that book and it just changed everything for me. 
Do you know that sounds oh, when you're in Rome? When in Rome, you weren't having alcohol. Exactly, either. I know. And when you're in Rome as well, do you know what I mean? But I sat, I sat under the fountains just reading, and I was like, I just felt so peaceful. And it was my first sober holiday, and it was just amazing. You talked about the benefits of your journey to alcohol and alcohol-free life. Um, where the, would you say that there are other components of your life that are um, kind of that work alongside? not drinking so you know your lifestyle now you go to the gym more and you sleep more but would you have other sort of tips for people you know giving up alcohol has made a huge difference to you by the sound of it yeah 100 percent. i think you just have to kind of approach it in a way you have to understand you know why you want to do it first of all you mm. kind of be realistic with yourself how much you're drinking yeah and then just kind of, you know, when I wanted to, when I was, you know, after waking up with so many hangovers, so many horrendous things, it just got to a point and I was like, I really want to just stop drinking initially or kind of reduce it. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of just absorbed everything. I read everything. I listened to loads of podcasts and I feel like that just helped me so much just move my mindset on of being like, I do not need to drink in social situations. I don't need to drink at a wedding. I don't need to drink at a birthday. I've done all of that, if you know what I mean. Everyone's different, but that's the way I approached it. So you've been to, uh, by the sounds of it, multiple weddings uh, sober now since you... Yeah, everything. Christmases, birthdays, holidays. I made a vow to, you know, I wanted to drink. I wanted to have more holidays sober than more holidays I'd had pissed, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know um, what? I, I'd love to find out a little bit more about, you know, kind of any tips that you would give people if they want to move to a more sober or uh, a completely sober lifestyle so let's just take a brief pause and then we'll come back and i think you probably have got some tips you can offer people in that area we'll be back in just a moment windsor Windsor. ascot Ascot. maidenhead Maidenhead. bracknell Bracknell. wokingham Wokingham. henley Henley. reading the voice river radio of the thames valley Welcome back to this show, Let's Do Lunch, with me, Jenny Tishy. This is a food and nutrition show, and today we've been joined by the founder of Reformed Characters, a company making botanical non-alcoholic drinks. Now, Daniel is the founder of that company, and he lives a, I would say, a lifestyle which is very congruent with the brand, because he doesn't drink anymore and does consume the drinks by Reformed Characters, so really, really fitting. Um, But, Daniel, we were asking about, um, prior to the break, a little bit about the mindset change that you went through but if anybody's thinking you know do you know what I feel like you felt I feel like my lifestyle is normalized uh, or my drinking within my lifestyle is normalized but actually it's not doing me any good and I don't feel great as a result what advice would you give people that are thinking about moving to a more sober or a completely sober lifestyle so I'd say for me the kind of I think, you know, when you've got a busy life and stuff, it gets to, for me, it was always the kind of Thursday night when everyone in work was drinking, the Saturday nights that were always the most difficult. So I think, first of all, you know, if you decide you're not going to drink one weekend, fill your time with something. Don't expect that you're just going to go home on a Friday and not drink and be happy with it all. You're going to spend all Saturday on your own. So for me, it's about, you know, don't make yourself miserable and fill those fill those days with something that you want to do. You know, for me, it's been amazing. All the things for years I said I wanted to do, I wanted to... I wanted to learn more. I wanted to read more. I wanted to do yoga. I wanted to do gym stuff. And once you stop drinking, you can do those things. So use that time wisely and use it to do things you actually want to do, which realistically you never end up doing because you're hungover every weekend. Yeah, that's a really good point. And that first part of your journey, I did kind of touch on it at the very beginning, but cravings. How did you cope with that? With, with what, sorry, Jenny? With cravings that you might have experienced during that first, maybe it was all three months, but I know from my own experience that it can happen even within, you know, a few days, a few weeks, you can really start to feel cravings for alcohol. Yeah, so I think 
you know, use the non-alcoholic drinks. There's so many non-alcoholic drinks out there now. Just kind of navigate them, find what works for you. Um, and for me, those have just been an absolute game changer. Otherwise, I think I would really struggle. You know, if you put me in a bar on a Saturday night in London and I sat there drinking a Diet Coke or something like that, I would struggle. But when there's so many alcohol-free alternatives now, mm. you know, use them to your advantage is what I'd say. It's a good point when you think, think about, like, if you were to go to a bar and you didn't drink and you maybe have juice or you'd have a fizzy drink to drink but now where there are these alternatives um from your own experience you know like when you do go out what happens is uh, people can have one glass of wine then they can have another and they can have another and another do you find yourself having you know in your situation would you have multiple of your own drinks if they were available where you were is that sort of drink that it is yeah and I do think not not just within my drink I do find you know I can go to a pub on a Friday night with friends and I'll end up having the same amount of non-alcoholic beers as they've had of normal beers I think it's if you, you know if you've if you've had that kind of social conditioning of alcohol you will naturally be in a group and kind of want to be drinking at the same kind of pace and stuff mm. which is why when I develop these drinks you know we call them speed bumps within non-alcoholic drinks you know things which make you slow down and drink it a bit slower than more slowly than you would a soft drink I think that's very important within the kind of non-alcoholic drinks yeah you just you don't want to be necking a drink like you'd yeah. a diet coke or a seven up or something yeah it's not really about thirst as such is it it's about the enjoyment of, of drinking the drink I love the way it's that you about- talked about the mouthfeel the complexity and the mouthfeel of the drinks being you know it is an experience in its own right isn't it it is you know it's about the drink it's about the glass it's served and it's about how it's presented all of those things make such a difference and even you know from a psychological point of view so many studies have been done around that kind of thing that's the reason with an alcohol you know we have all these sophisticated garnishes and glasses and stuff because it serves an occasion yeah even the packaging it's quite glam exactly. isn't it yeah. Yeah. it makes you feel special right you're having a really special yeah drink. and that's what it's about otherwise you could just go to Sainsbury's and pick up a diet coke or whatever but it's, it's completely different for me this is different so bringing the world of food and wine together if we were to try and combine the two are there um snacks bar snacks or food that you think go particularly well with your drinks so I need to do the work on this. I've obviously just been kind of trying myself at home in terms of kind of food pairings and stuff, but because the drinks are very natural and it's literally, you know, it is what it says on the tin, it's juniper, it's hops, it's rosemary. So naturally those kind of ingredients do go well with other foods, but I need to articulate that and work that out a little bit better. That'd so be, I'll come back to you. Yeah, that'd be really good to do. And in terms of um, anything else that our listeners might want to know about the brand or about you, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, not really. So we we have like quite a big blog with lots of content for, you know, if, if people are looking to kind of navigate drinking and stuff, there's a lot of content on the blog. So if you go on www.reformedcharacters.com, there's a journal on there with um, all kind of tips on how to re- reduce your drinking, suggestions for non-alcoholic places and bars and all that kind of stuff. And then on Instagram as well, at Reformed Characters, we share a lot as well of content about all that kind of thing. That's really interesting. So, so bars and restaurants that do that are purely um, alcohol free that don't even because I guess there are there are those that don't have a license. There are those that also specialise in it. Yeah, and there's a lot popping up, you know. And I think for me, it's just about kind of curating that world for people. I want people to kind of come in contact with my brand, and whether you're buying the drinks or not, I want to provide some value to you. If you know what I mean, I want to help people in their journey. If people want to start by um, trying the drinks, would they go, I know you've told me where you sell them, but would they find them directly from you? That's the best way to start drinking them. I'm asking for a friend, you know that. At at the moment, yeah, and from Amazon. I will send some links out as well. Oh, fantastic. Brilliant. That'd be really useful. Um, And in terms of like a newsletter or anything, do you have anything like that that people can sign up to? 
CS newsletter as well. I think that's such, I want to kind of build this whole world, if you know what I mean, of helping people with drinking and kind of cutting down the drinking. I think things like newsletters and having that constant kind of reminders and just um, support, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I hate that word support, but. No, but it is, I think if you're going to go down this path, because our society is so, uh, drink and drinking is such an integral part of our society and our way of of socialising, and I think perhaps even more so maybe post-pandemic, I think it's really good that there is this normalisation of not drinking and there's a celebration of not drinking. I think it's a wonderful place to be able to feel normal in. It is. It's, for me, it's not about loss, it's about empowerment, you know. And if, if this was something I kind of, this path I'd gone on, if, it was, if I felt like I was genuinely missing alcohol in my life and like I'd lost something, I'd start drinking again. But it hasn't. It's just been such a game changer. So I'm very vocal about it. I'm going to stay where I am and I'm going to look like I am and the world is good. Yeah, I love it. Exactly. <laughs> Daniel, it's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you today. Oh, somebody just turned the lights off where I am. So I can't see my notes. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you today. I have learned so, so much. Um, I think your journey is really interesting and I think the fact that you've gone from uh, a concept in 2018 to where you are today uh, is absolutely brilliant I think as well the fact that you've managed to you know create the vision and achieve the actual product that you envisioned uh, is testament to your kind of enthusiasm and passion and drive but also how you are living the brand you are the brand you are the ambassador and I think it's a fantastic story so people uh, who are listening in if you would like to know more then do follow at reform characters on all social media channels and and join and go and have a look at the the blog if you are thinking of moving to an alcohol free or a less a lower alcohol lifestyle because certainly it sounds like there's some great advice on there and some tips I think Daniel's given you some great tips today as well but there's even more there which is wonderful I love the fact that's sort of like an educational platform as well that was was that the intention yeah 100% and it will always be the intention yeah it's great really you mentioned the word support I know you kind of balked at that but I think it's a wonderful word I think it's very suitable (laughs) Um, and some great connections in, in, and recommendations, uh, including the book that uh, This Naked Mind uh, by Annie Grace. That's something I'm certainly going to go and check out and I will put links to as well uh, when I share information about this blog. Daniel, thank you for your time today and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Uh, for those of you listening in, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'm just going to say goodbye to Daniel. <laughs> and... Um, I just want to make sure that uh, all those people listening in and supporting this podcast know that you are uh, very, very welcome and thank you for everyone supporting. If you would like to leave a review, they are always welcome. So um, please go to whichever channel you listen through, uh, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and do leave a review. Uh, Stars, great. Five stars, even better. But uh, if you want to leave a uh, written review, that's even better. Uh, Thank you very much for today and thank you to Daniel Hind from Reformed Characters. I have learnt loads. I'm feeling inspired. I now want to go and have a botanical non-alcoholic drink. I don't know about you but uh, I've got my sights set on the one which is uh, juniper and the alternative to the G&T. I think that would be much better. I think I would uh, sleep better and uh, although I love my G&T I think it would be great to have a non-alcoholic alternative. Thank you everyone for listening in today. I'm just going to play you out with some very relevant tunes. Okay, enjoy.
Just were meant to cut me down And if my love was just a circus You'd be a clown by now No, I'm still standing Better than I ever did Looking like a true survivor Feeling like a little kid I'm still standing After all this time Picking up the